Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about taxis and ride-sharing apps like Uber and Cabify. In Catalonia, the battle between traditional taxi services and new ride-hailing apps has been fierce, involving protests, strikes, government intervention and legal battles. The most well-known of the new kids on the block is undoubtedly Uber. The American company announced their return to Barcelona in March after a two-year absence. And local listeners will also be familiar with Cabify, a Spanish ride-sharing company. Joining me in filling the sink today are Catalan News journalists Anne-Marie Thoreau and Christina Tomas-White. Oh, very welcome, good to see you. Thanks for having us. Hi, Lorcan. This tension between Uber and similar companies and local taxi firms has been played out across the globe, but here in Barcelona, things have been particularly spicy, I would say. <laughs> That's a way of putting it. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been an easy ride. Very good, Christina. Yeah, two years ago, there was this massive strike by taxi drivers. They occupied one of the main avenues in, in Barcelona, Gran Via, for, for one week. And, and I guess this is what kind of makes the, the case of Barcelona a bit special somehow. It's like how unwilling taxi drivers have been to to give an inch of like land to, to their competitors, to Uber and Cabify. No, the taxi sector in Barcelona is definitely very well organized and it's it's very like entrenched in the city. They've been around for a while and there's especially one charismatic figure that anyone that's been following the, the conflict in Barcelona knows. Yeah. Uh, Tito Alvarez, who is the head of the Elite Taxi Association. Everyone uh, talks about everyone Tito. Everyone talks about Tito. Um, everyone knows Tito and, and he, he's been able to... Um, inspire uh, encourage so many taxi drivers to just you know go out and occupy the streets and um, they don't want to budge they don't want Cabify and they don't want Uber yeah yeah definitely Tito is a very like iconic figure like all journalists who have covered this story know him and of course taxi drivers basically they complain that these companies like Uber offer a similar service while abiding by less regulation and they are like hey i paid all this money to get my license i have to invest all this money in in maintenance and then this company is basically offering the same while paying less or, or while being less regulated they have tried to portray this conflict as a david versus goliath battle in a way in the other side you have this company saying you oh, know we are the future we are trying to to help people get a, a better service and these taxis are like a monopoly that doesn't want to to lose their privileges so there's a, like also also this battle for the narrative mm. which is very interesting mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. back in 2019 the catalan government made some changes to legislation which led to cabify and uber leaving barcelona cabify returned a couple of months later but Uber uh, stayed away for a couple of years, but they're back now in some kind of form. And uh, that's led to the latest wave of protests. Yeah, for a while it's been relatively calm, but now taxi drivers are beginning to organize again against their, their, their common enemy. And they also have some demands for public authorities to be able to, to better compete with, with them. Okay, Alan, you've been hearing from all sides of the argument recently. Uh, Will we take a listen? Yeah, sure. The city of Barcelona is used to protest, blocking roads and disrupting traffic, but nobody does it quite as effectively as taxi drivers. Two weeks ago, they reminded me why. 
The meeting point was a wide avenue next to Plaza España, with the city's iconic black and yellow caps filling lane after lane. There were dozens, hundreds of them, ready to get in their cars for a slow drive toward the city center. Once there, I asked for someone who speaks English, and they point to a cab in the front row. There's a man with his earbuds on, giving instructions. Today we have uh, a protest because we need an application, a public application, for sector of taxi. His name is Sayed Junaid, but he's better known by his colleagues as the Tesla guy. And talking to him, you can tell he's not willing to miss out when it comes to technology. No, nobody uh, raises his hand and uh, stop a taxi. They want to know the price, everything. is. It's better for us user and we feel that we are like 10 years away from the reality. The underlying concern, though, remains the same it's been for years. Competition from ride-hailing apps. Uber and Cabify are back in the city after temporarily quitting due to new regulations. And taxis want public authorities to make sure they respect the law. They have to make controls because they control taxis so much but no controls for VTC. While Cabify still operates with its own fleet of cars under so-called VTC licenses, Uber has opted for a different approach, letting taxi drivers use its software. The company's spokesperson in Spain, Yuri Fernández, recently spoke to the Catalan news agency about their new strategy. He says the enemy in Barcelona are private cars, and Uber, as well as taxis, bikes or public transport, are part of the solution to make the city less crowded and cleaner. Letting cabs use their app is a show of good faith, he says, pointing out that in Madrid there are 2,000 taxis who've joined them, and get twice as many rides as their colleagues. But many taxi drivers in Barcelona don't trust Uber and call those who work with them traitors. They see the offering as a poison gift, a Trojan horse providing a new entryway for the company. But what is it like to be a driver for these companies? I check my address book and I call Stefano Panitti, a former Cabify driver I met during the latest standoff with taxi drivers a few years ago. I will be always grateful to Cabify because they gave me a job when uh, nobody wanted to to get me because I was uh, over 50 and it's very difficult the laboral market for all people here in Spain. Panitti was hardly the only person over 50 who had found a job as a VTC driver after the crisis. And for some, this went beyond the money they earned. It made them feel useful even rejuvenated for working at a fancy company and dressing up to drive those elegant black cars. At protest, they chanted, we are the future, and taxis were not. But things didn't last long, and new regulations plus the pandemic meant a lot of people were left without a job. Panitti eventually changed his mind. I defended Cabify a lot, but now I would not do the same, because after that they fired me three, four times, the quality of uh, my job was uh, not anymore like it was before, so Cabify changed. He's still mad at the taxi sector for threatening and attacking drivers like him. But overall, he kind of gets their point. He might have found meaning in his work, but at the end of the day, the only thing that really mattered was money. Thanks to everyone who spoke to us for that report. So taxi drivers protesting again, but we haven't seen quite the same levels as maybe a few years ago, Alan. No, yeah, definitely. Like in 2019, that really got ugly. Actually, speaking with some former cabify drivers for this podcast, a lot of them like had really ugly memories of, of that period. Like there was a, a woman who told me that she was 
she was basically driving her her car and two people who she assumes were taxi drivers were riding a, a, a motorcycle next to her and threw acid at her at her car oh my god yeah i mean and and this kind of incidents like um having been myself to to several of, of, of those protests you you could see that if, if some of course like it was not all taxi drivers no. like it always happens but there was some of them who if, if they would spot like one of these black uh cars that were probably like a, an uber um they would go there and like some scratch the, the the car break the mirrors or like puncture the the wheels i suppose in a way as well the the taxi drivers did kind of win a win a victory of sorts because politicians in catalonia passed a decree in january of 2019 that put in place certain restrictions on these companies that led to them actually stopping their operations in catalonia for a while Yeah, that was exactly the case. Um, so the Catalan government passed this decree, which stated that if you wanted to book one of these services, you had to book at least 15 minutes in advance. And it also established that local authorities could extend this time. So Uber and Cabify said it didn't work it, with their yeah, business it model. Yeah, it really, wasn't worth it for them. I think they said like 98% of their bookings come uh, with, within oh, 15 minutes or yeah, under, exactly, under 15 exactly. minutes. And Barcelona Council, for example... I think they added like an extra 45 minutes to that. So if someone had wanted to book an Uber in Barcelona, it would have taken... They would have done, had to do it over an hour or an hour in, in advance. advance. Which, yeah, the courts actually overruled that extension. But the 15-minute restriction stayed in place. Cabify returned to Barcelona in March 2019. And they kind of found a workaround for this 15-minute restriction Essentially, just the first time that you book with them, you need to book 15 minutes in advance. But then once you've done it the first time, you've technically signed a contract with the company for an e for a year. Yeah, basically, you take a box and then all your other bookings that you make, they can be made immediately. So they kind of found a workaround for that. Um, but it was only Cabify that came back. Uber came back two years later. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of changed its its business model before it was operating with this so-called VTC licenses. It's like a private hire car yeah, license. It's, it's basically like like a taxi, but like not being a taxi. Just like a, a car that you can rent with a driver, but with it's a driver. not a taxi. Yeah, it sounds yeah, yeah. exactly taxi. the same, but there's some kind of <laughs> legal some distinction. Kind of like legal yes. distinction so yeah. yeah, before they were operating with these licenses, which is the still the case with, with Cabify. But Uber, basically what they did was say, okay, we have our software, we have our app, and we're going to have taxi drivers use it. A few hundred taxi drivers joined them in a the couple of months ago. But then what happened is that these taxi associations that were like really against Uber um, a few years ago, they, they still have the same position. And they basically boycotted them by by ordering like rides like all the time so that the system would collapse right. and they also pressured the drivers the taxi drivers who had joined uber they they call them like awareness a kind of awareness campaigns but there were also some some threats um in a way campaign. intimidation campaign <laughs> but yeah basically they what they've managed to do is that it's not really convenient Right now, because a lot of times you will you will check Uber and it, it will not work. The, the app is working, but you may not find rides. Like, for instance, now uh, I checked it a few minutes ago and I saw that there were some, some cars like in the area. So I could probably order 
but yesterday, for instance, I tried it in my in my neighborhood, and there were no cops available. Yeah. So. And the thing about these apps is is their convenience is their yeah. one of their main selling points. So. If it's not convenient, then the mm. whole thing kind of collapses. And I, I mean, I'd also like to point out that it's not so much that the taxi drivers are against the idea um, behind these apps. It's just that they want a public option. They want a public app. They don't want to use a private company's app for this service. As we heard in the in the, in the report earlier, that's one of the demands that they're currently making. Mm-hmm. And another one of the taxi drivers' arguments is that the legislation in place isn't being implemented. They cite the case that there should only be one license handed out to these companies for every 30 taxi licenses, but they argue that this isn't the case and that that kind of rule is being broken left, right, and center. And it's also important like, to keep in mind just basic supply and demand ideas. There are already a lot of taxis in, in Barcelona. There are ten more than 10,000 licenses, which means that there's even more drivers because a lot of these licenses are, are being used by, by more than, than one driver. And, and Barcelona is already one of the Spanish cities with the highest rate of taxis per person. And of course, if, if you already have all these drivers, all these taxi drivers operating in, in Barcelona, you don't want extra companies like would be the case with Cabify, for instance, competing with them. The licenses you mentioned that the taxi drivers sold, they're really expensive as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They, they can easily cost more than 100,000 euros. So that's part of the, the argument that those licenses are, are they're regulated more and they're more expensive than these than these VTC licenses, these private No, definitely. Ones. I mean, like even more than 100,000, I'd say sometimes like it can be like 150,000 even. And the conflict that we've seen here in Barcelona has had an impact beyond these borders. In fact, across the EU. Isn't that right, Christina? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So back in 2014, when Uber first came to Barcelona, Elite Taxi knew that this was going to be a problem for them. They decided to take them to court here in Barcelona um, because... I mean, according to them, it was like unfair competition, given all the reasons that we've all already mentioned before. Um, the Barcelona court didn't quite know how to deal with this, so they sent the issue to the European Court of Justice, which actually ended up ruling in their favor in 2017. And because of this ruling, it says that Uber at the time, in the format that was functioning in 2014 as Uber Pop, was actually a transportation service and not a digital service. Because that was one of their arguments that, oh, we're not a transportation service, we're just an app. Right, right, right. Especially because at the time it was like peer-to-peer and it wasn't with licensed taxi drivers or VTC drivers. And so this week, Christina, you were speaking to Peter von Kleinenbruchel, a law professor at the University of Liège in Belgium. Yeah, I started off by asking him how ride-hailing apps are regulated in the EU. Let's take a listen. Well, the answer to the first question is is actually very simple. There is no EU-wide regulation for ride-hailing apps specifically. The European Union has been in the process of developing a regulatory framework for online platforms since 2016. It has adopted EU-wide rules in 2019, and there is a, a proposal in progress at the moment, the Digital Services Act. But... They only target online platforms that function as intermediaries between providers of services and recipients of services. So in the case of a ride-hailing app, that would be a driver and a client of that drive. But there has been an exception for transport services. And 
in a certain way, Uber manages to fall between the cracks of existing EU rules, leaving it within the scope of national rules. And those national rules, they differ uh, enormously between the different states and even between the different regions and cities within those states. How has Barcelona's Uber taxi conflict had an impact on a European level? As far as Barcelona is concerned, it's, of course, the most interesting case because it has been the city that has given rise to these cases at the court of justice level. Barcelona has tried to limit uh, the use of Uber or even prohibit the use of Uber, where the question uh, was raised by Uber, can they simply do this? Because we are trying to bring in touch drivers and clients. And there the court said, no, you can do this because transportation services are not regulated at EU level. In 2017 and in 2018, again, the Court of Justice of the European Union ruled that when such an application is offering services in the field of transport, it is not covered by the general rules relating to online intermediation. If there are no EU rules, the different states, the different cities remain responsible, remain able to regulate uh, transportation services. That also means that there is quite a patchwork of different approaches in different countries and different cities. I would uh, distinguish uh, two extremes that are, uh, on the one hand, cities where Uber is is perfectly legal. A good example, for instance, is Croatia as a country, an EU member state. Other cities, especially cities with a well-developed and well-entrenched taxi sector, have adopted rules that are much more restrictive. And, And Barcelona is indeed an example. Another example is Brussels, where there have been initiatives for years and years trying to regulate Uber services. Uber drivers in the UK are now recognized as workers. Could that eventually happen in the EU too? There again, also the different member states remain free to some extent to determine what the status of of Uber drivers is. But if you look at how they are dependent on Uber for the provision of certain services, it is very likely that in European Union member states as well, Uber drivers can be considered employees, which would mean that Uber would have concluded an implicit labor agreement with them and would have to offer certain guarantees. So if that were the case for Uber, that is, of course, a big uh, additional cost, but also comes with additional responsibilities. And the question is, is Uber going to be willing to take on those responsibilities towards its drivers and and that's an evolution that is that is difficult to predict the best proposal in that sense has been to to come up with an eu-wide harmonization framework and different members of the european parliament have debated as to whether or not the framework is necessary and they agree to some extent it is necessary christina was speaking to peter von kleinenbruchel from the university of liege in belgium I made some interesting points, Christina. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be really um, hard to see what happens in the future. 
Um, I'd also like to point out, we didn't cover this in, in the interview, but there was a ruling last December that could also impact um, the way that these companies function um, throughout Europe and, and Barcelona. Essentially, the same court that issued the 2017 ruling stated that ride-hailing apps could be like simple digital services or online platforms rather than transport services if and only if they work as intermediaries. Um, so we might see them going down that road. Right, more. right. So rather than like, you know, setting a price or saying which car, which driver needs to take you somewhere, if they only act as intermediaries, they can be considered digital services. And they don't have the same load of um, regulations. To right, with right, them. right. Which is kind of what Uber is trying to do now in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Well, so in a way, these rulings and protests have caused Uber and Cabify to adjust their model and it remains to be seen as we said like what's going to happen in the future because you know um, uber doesn't turn a profit either so it's like how sustainable is this going to be yeah i mean then again you know they first came in 2014 to barcelona they first came in 2014 and they still haven't given up so yeah yeah. we'll see what happens i think for them it's it's very important as well just to be there to, for, for people to know that they they can have like the Cabify or the Uber app on their phones and that it, it's going to be useful. And then they will find a way to, to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very strong brand and people when they travel, if they're used to using Ubers maybe in their home, home country, then when they arrive in Barcelona airport, they'll immediately look for an Uber here. But I mean, it's it's easy to find a taxi here, maybe not so much in other places, and it's safe, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, generally speaking, it's pretty easy to find a cab. You know, if you need to get somewhere, you can either hail one in the street or or call. Maybe the only exception is like when we have to cover something, we are in a rush, and then there will be no that's, cabs, of course. Yeah, but that's yeah, like yeah. That's that's Murphy Law works. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no. Also, Barcelona is a pretty small city. It's not like a massive New York or. Yeah, I London, would recommend so just like riding a bike. Too. Riding a <laughs> bike, okay. Bike. Riding a bike so is my favorite um, option. Yeah. At the end of the podcast, all my taxis, Uber, Cabify, yeah. Alan's advice just ride a bike. <laughs> the metro works great as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's safe. But uh, there's, there's a lot of pending court cases uh, in the High Court in Catalonia to do with uh, the licenses of these VTC private hire licenses. So I think now that we're seeing you know, the pandemic is easing, international travel is going to return, people are going to be taking more taxis. I think it's going to shoot right up the agenda again, isn't it? Yeah, no, and, and they also, like, tourists might be surprised um, to see that, like, in their home countries or in other cities that they visited, they can just use it, use Uber, whereas in Barcelona it's going to be a bit trickier. Like, you know, if you go to Amsterdam or Lisbon, you just use the app. Flip side of that is places like Denmark, where Uber pulled out just again because the Danish government said that the way they were acting wasn't compliant with their existing rules on taxis. So it kind of it, it varies hugely from place to place, doesn't it? Time now for our Catman phrase. Alan, what is it this week? Yeah, we, we were having a chat before with Gifre and he had a wonderful idea. Um, the, the phrase is, feta la ley, feta la trampa, which I find like 
a beautiful phrase. <laughs> yeah, go fait à l'allié. So, so like the, the laws made or one. Yeah, I don't like know that. how to. It's like once the law is, is is made, like you can find like a way around or something. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Loophole. Loophole, right? Okay, fait à l'allié. Once the law is made, fait à la trampe. The, the, the trick or the loophole is is made at yeah. the same time. And of course, this can apply like in this conflict, but this can also like you can use it like in. Any oh, context. In any context, <laughs> it's kind of like rules are made to be broken, no? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or but but we're talking Ish. about laws, okay? It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's not like broken per se. It's, yeah. more... it's like being smart enough to to yeah. find a way around. Yeah. Okay, okay. Feta la ley, feta la trampa. And that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks for joining us today, Alan and Christina. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Cheers, Lorcan. Thanks to everyone who spoke to us for this week's episode. Next week on Filling the Sink, we're going to be talking about women's football off the back of Barcelona's amazing success this season. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.